0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 307. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Timothy with chapter 4. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I'd actually like to start this episode with an apology because I found out something rather odd this week. I went to the website because I'm actually working on a book, and I'll tell you more about that, hopefully in a few weeks. But in the process of doing that, I noticed that we have already done a Bible study on First and Second Timothy. We did it a number of years ago, but I had forgotten. So I am repeating myself now what I don't know what to do here is and I could use some feedback. When we finish this study, we can go on to 2 Timothy as originally planned or we can just say, "Hey, we've done this before," and we can do and we can go do something else. I would be interested in your feedback. 1 Timothy chapter 4. The spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And so Paul starts this one and says there is good teaching and there is bad teaching. And in fact, when we say there is bad teaching, there is teaching that is taught by demons. There is teaching whose origin is hell. And Paul isn't one to mince words in general, but here I think in a letter to Timothy, he is even more free. And he is saying that it isn't as simple as there is good quality teaching and there is poor quality teaching. He is really saying that some teaching is counterproductive. Some teaching pulls us away from God and towards the devil. Now, how do we know which teaching we're listening to. And I think one of the reasons we do Bible study is to train ourselves for not just this verse and that verse, but the themes of the Bible. If I were to tell you, as there was a cult that did one time, that you should tell your parents that you hate them, because in Luke 14, it says, Anyone who comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And so there was at least one group I know of that took that verse, took it out of the context of the Bible and said, If you join us, we will literally have you send a letter of hate to your parents. Now, you have been studying the Bible long enough to know that there's a context that this first goes into, and it's in a context Of the whole Bible that has lots and lots of verses that talk about us being called to honor and to love our parents. In fact, as Paul is creating in the first three chapters of Romans his treatise that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he points out people who hate their parents as one of those sins. Now, you know that because you have developed an ear for the themes of the Bible. I hope at least you have developed an ear for the themes of the Bible. But that's one of the reasons that we do Bible study is to recognize truth from falsehood and to recognize the important from the unimportant. And so hopefully you know, for instance, that if I say you should love your neighbor, that that is an important theme. That is a theme that is woven through so many different books. That is a theme that is consistent with the behavior of Christ as he goes to the cross and tells the people from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But there is other teaching, which possibly is even biblical, takes this verse or that verse, but takes the wrong meaning, that is taught by demons. And so be careful as you listen to teachings. Be careful as you listen to teachers. And that includes me. Judge what you're hearing against what you know and against what the word of God says, against what the Bible says. Listen critically and say, is that consistent with what I understand to be the truth? And then go back to the scripture if you have questions. He says, such teachings have come through hypocritical liars. And so one of the things he's having trouble with with these teachers is they live one way and they teach another way. Well, That is not something that has changed over the last 2,000 years. We've seen that. We've seen that in our generation as well. And there are different reasons why people might become a teacher, and certainly one reason is to spread the Word of God. One reason is in reaction to what God has done to tell that good news, and other people are looking for power. And that group is quite often going to come out here as the hypocritical liar who teaches one thing and lives another. So look at the lives of the people who you're listening to their teaching. And consciences have been seared with a hot iron. I am taking that to mean their consciences have been dead. Their conscience isn't working anymore. And then he talks about particular things, people who forbid people to marry, people who abstain from certain foods, and that all things that God created, if you take them with thanksgiving, are good. But there can be lots of different individual kinds of things that you could run into that would fall into this camp of teachings that pull us away from God. And sometimes I think they are also personal, and I'll tell a personal story. I was going to a church, and I think I've told this story before on the Bible Study Podcast, that was a difficult church in the inner city. It had engineering students, because I was going to an engineering school, and it also had a ministry to the developmentally disabled. So it had very smart people who were going to be wealthy, and it also had poor and people who were not as smart, were not as gifted in that way. And it was a difficult place sometimes to be. So at one point, my now wife, when we were first going out, I think even before we were engaged, we started going to another church, and it was a church that preached a gospel of glory. And this is that God wants you to be rich. Now, I won't necessarily go as far as saying that that is always false, but it was certainly false for me in the sense that I was somebody who was going to have more wealth than most people, and it wasn't going to be good for me to be going to a church that was emphasizing that I deserved all that. It was more important for me to go to a church that said, all of these people who are not as smart as you, God loves them just as much as he loves you. So don't get so full of yourself. And so I think there can be sometimes teaching that is bad also for us and where we are, and we need to weigh that as well. Paul continues, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. And so he says, you, Timothy, are called to be a teacher. You're called to point these things out. You've been nourished on the truth, and you are now called to spread that out. And I love the phrase, nourished on the truths of the faith, that the things that are true literally bring wellness and health and nourishment to us. And then by converse, the things that are false take those things from us. And he says, don't have anything to do with. And the two things to names are godless myths and old wives tales, which is interesting that that phrase is that old, or at least an equivalent phrase was in Greek that they translated from. What does he mean by that? He's saying, you know, those things that we have told you, and you know, those things are in the Old Testament. They wouldn't have the New Testament at the time, but you do. But he says, there are also other things that people say. And certainly, you say, Chris, we never run into those sort of things. Well, have you ever knocked on wood because you wanted to bring luck? That's an old wives' tale. That's a godless myth. That's a pagan ritual. And it's funny how easy it is for some of those things to creep in, even though our faith and confidence is in God. And so he's saying, be careful. The truth is in God and in the word of God. And then there's a lot of other things that people say. And don't have anything to do with those. And he talks about physical training has some value. What he's saying is that as we train for godliness, it is like preparing for an athletic competition. And if you think about that, if you were training as an athlete, what would you do? Well, one thing is you do it regularly. You're not going to train for a marathon and just run every other month. You would never be successful doing that. You wouldn't train as an athlete and run once a week. And yet so many people try and be a Christian on Sunday morning and use that and that alone as the way to grow their faith. Well, you wouldn't train that way. And he's saying, think about the value you put on physical training. Godliness has even more value, value for this life as well as the life to come. We do all this because our hope is in God. We do all this because of Jesus, the Savior of all people. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And that's a powerful statement, especially that last one for any of us who are called to teach, is that there is an extra measure of responsibility in what we say, both for our faith as well as the faith of anyone who is listening. But he says to Timothy, You're young but that's okay. We shouldn't judge you based on the number of years you have, and don't let anyone do that. But instead, he says, be an example. Live the faith that you talk about. Don't be one of those hypocritical liars. So think about your speech, your conduct, your love your faith, and your purity. And that's a great list there for us to look at. How are we doing with those five things? What comes out of your mouth? Is it things that are beneficial? Is it things that are edifying, that build up other people? Is it things that pull other people down? Is it gossip? Is it lies? What about in love? What are you doing that is affecting the lives of others for the better, What are you doing, even though it may involve some sacrifice for you because it will be better for someone else in conduct? How do you behave? Do people see you and think throughout the week, there's a person who's a Christian seven days a week. There's a person who believes what they say they believe, and I see it in these ways. I heard a speaker once say that people should be able to tell that you're a Christian by the way you spread peanut butter. Well, I'm. that might be an exaggeration, but they certainly should be able to tell by the way that you behave with others. Are you someone who brings peace into a situation? Are you someone who brings joy into situations? Are you someone who brings healing into situations? In faith, how does your faith uphold your life, especially when times get tough? And then he looks at Timothy and says, in your purity, Timothy, what are you doing with your eyes? Timothy, what are you doing when you think people aren't watching? You're a young man with young man's desires. But, he says, we're still going to hold you to a higher standard than the world would hold you to. Even in a society where you live, which doesn't hold any standard at all about that kind of behavior, you answer to a higher calling. And he says, Timothy, you were gifted. Timothy, God gave you a gift when the elders laid hands on you. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given you. And that's true for all of us, that God enables us and equips us in different ways for different things and at different times. And don't neglect the gift that you have. If you're not sure what your gifts are, talk to people who know and care about you and see what they can tell you. See what good they see in you that you can use to help others. And that's your gift. Give yourself holy, so that others can see your progress. We are on a progression. We are growing. We are being sanctified. We are being made holy by the Holy Spirit day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month. Where is our progress? What are the areas we need to grow that we need to give over to Christ? And what are the areas where we claimed at least for now a victory? And then let's move on persevere in them, Paul says, as he says to Timothy. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. We'll wrap up First Timothy next week, and please let me know, should we go on to Second Timothy or should we do something else? You can leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2X. And as always, thanks so much for listening.